the biggest thing, the biggest red flag during somebody's anxiety bout is telling them to calm down because they like they have to process it themselves. Yeah. And you when you do that, even if you're coming from a good place, you know, it feels attacking because they're already in a drastic headspace and right. you feel like, you know, this person who's supposed to be close to me is attacking. But and it's not like that. Um, but it's so radically different from, you know, two different perspectives of the same room. Um, so it's always very interesting to see how different people deal with their different levels of anxiety. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Everything's Okay, a mental health podcast brought to you by the one and only Crazy Ant Media. This week is going to be very interesting because Dustin and I are going to be talking all about anxiety and our day-to-day struggles with anxiety and how different people we know actually are crippled by it. Anxiety is one of those things where I feel like not enough people talk about but then also talk about too much so it's kind of this fine line where i feel like you know people who don't necessarily have anxiety say that you know it's affecting them in a certain way but then the symptoms that they're saying is not necessarily anxiety but anyway (laughs) my little baby rant over i guess for that but i mean i just feel like i've come across some people who always say they're dealing with anxiety but necessary the symptoms that they're recalling might mean something else have you ever come across that type of situation oh yeah and then and then i feel like what they what so a lot of people because i think i think there is some confusion about what anxiety is and what anxiety isn't and here's the thing anxiety can lead to other mental disorders of which you're having those symptoms. So it might not be just anxiety. When you say, oh my gosh, I'm suffering from anxiety. You might be, but the things that you're describing might be another mental issue that we have to deal with that the anxiety caused. So that's where it kind of gets like, like there's a bunch of things, memory issues, where you're where you talk about yourself negatively like you have a low self esteem or a low self image um you don't sleep well uh you withdraw socially from people you don't want to talk to a lot of people uh etc those are all things that are different diagnoses that are stemmed from anxiety so if you have anxiety and you find yourself dealing with a lot of different things that is potentially why so but I feel like everybody at some point deals with anxiety, I think, mm-hmm. right? Like like clinically diagnosed, the numbers are pretty staggering. It's like 6.8 million adults in the U.S. suffer from it. That's a lot of people, but only 43% of those people are actually getting treatment for it. So that's what I'm saying. I think that a lot of people suffer from anxiety and never go get clinically diagnosed and then start getting treatment for it, which is disturbing. And I think that you and I can both talk about this because apparently with the, with the, the numbers and the research that we were doing for doing this episode, women are twice as likely to have anxiety and co-occurs 
with major depression. So, and I think that we know several women in our lives that we know deal with this and, 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 and it can get very, I think sometimes it can get crippling for people. Like, 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 you know, so like, you know, my, my daughter, Emily, your soon to be wife, she suffers from anxiety. And I mean, there have been moments where it just, she starts to panic about or become very anxious about stuff that happened a gazillion years ago, but just will resurface and literally cripple her to the point where she's so distraught about it and so anxious about it. She can't move. She can't think she can't do that. And that's terrifying that you can get to a state where it can literally just stop you in your tracks from your day-to-day operations because you are so nervous about something that most people, right? And I don't want to I don't want to like say this the wrong way because I don't want a lot of people who may be suffering with anxiety to come at me, but sometimes it's something so simple that most people would think of it as no big deal. You're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're worrying about something that you don't even have to worry about. That's not even a thing. That's just not even a big deal. But to that particular person, it is. And it, and it's exaggerated by the anxiety to a point where, like I said, they, they become stopped in the tracks of with trying to deal with it. And I mean, I mean, it's a case by case basis, right? I mean, different things are important to different people. For sure. So to to be able to, you know, have something that you hold so near and dear to your heart that you feel doesn't necessarily go the way you thought it could go or the way, you know, it has gone before, that's when the anxiety comes out. And specifically with this episode, I wanted to do more stories about our experience with anxiety. Um, because I know you, you suffer more from depression and less from anxiety and I'm kind of a mix of both. And just like Emily, she suffers more from anxiety and less from depression. So everybody's different kind of on case to case basis. Um, but specifically, like you said, at some point in time, just like with anxiety, anxiety and depression, everyone feels those at some point in time. It happens to some, you at some point in time. Um, but specifically for anxiety for me, like it gets to the point where like, I physically feel like I cannot talk. I've like, there are so many things going on in my head, but I physically feel like I cannot open my mouth and say words. Um, and it's just one of those things where like you have to put yourself back into your own headspace and back into your comfortability. Um, because I, everybody has their own social levels, right? I am a very socially anxious person when I'm in situations that I don't necessarily want to be in. Um, but if I'm in situations that I do want to be in, then I'm fine. I could be a social butterfly, but I do look at it as a battery on your phone to where like, all right, I start off the night where I'm full, I'm good. But then like, by the end of the night i'm down and the next day i'm not doing anything i don't want to be around anybody i want to have my alone time because alone time is very important as well but i mean for example when we go out and do our social events for crazy ant those are things that i genuinely love i genuinely want to do there is anxiety with them being in those rooms with massive tv stars massive movie stars but at the same time i love what i do so to be able to connect with people is something that i'm good at and that it's a different type of anxiety because i feel like you know 
I can do this, but I'm still kind of scared to do this. Um, but when it's situations that I don't necessarily want to be in and sort of like obligation roles, um, I feel like it's just a different thing to where like I'm in my head the whole time. And an example does not come to mind at the moment, but for like it's one of those things where like if I'm in a situation that I don't necessarily want to be in or in a place that I don't necessarily want to be in but feel obligated to do it for whoever I love whoever I know as like support then like I'm just in my own head I'm like looking all around to see what other people are thinking because I've talked about that on the podcast too and that's part of my anxiety is where I try to get inside what other people are thinking about me and it just becomes one of these things where like I just go down a rabbit hole and, and like gotta pull myself out of it um but I remember having anxiety ever since I was a young kid um I don't necessarily remember the first time I felt anxiety but I always remember you know going out for a sports team or going out for um choir or theater and just being like feeling like the outcast and feeling like nobody wanted to talk to me but in reality it was me isolating myself from everyone else because i felt like i didn't want to be talked to but in reality i wasn't putting myself out there well that's um, exactly so, how i was yeah. young exactly yeah. how I, I was very anxious young after the death of my dad and mm -hmm. I was very quiet. Nobody believes me now, but but there was uh, up from the time my dad died when I was eight till fifteen. I mean, so it took a long time—seven, eight years—before I felt comfortable talking to people. And not, I was mm -hmm. like, I was very much like I was anxious every time I walked into a room. I thought everybody was thinking or saying something about me and not good things about me. And I did put those walls up and was like very isolated and very like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And, and I probably came across very weird or very odd. I mean, everything that I was worried about people saying about me, I was probably causing because you're like, you're acting odd. So they think you're odd. But it was, yeah, I, I, it, it's, I totally understand what you mean by that. And it's sometimes putting yourself into a situation that you don't want to be in. And I just felt like after my dad died, every situation was a situation that I didn't want to be in. I just didn't, you know, kind of a thing. But as an adult, I, yeah, the anxiety... Um, well, we'll talk about it, but I, I, I have only one real thing that I'm anxious about now that's consistently that causes me anxiety. But other than that, I really don't, I don't have a problem yeah. walking into rooms. I don't have a problem to walking into situations that I don't necessarily want to be in. I don't like, I, I, I've never had as an adult had that problem. So it's more of getting into my own head and causing my own grief than, than anything else about being anxious. You're right. It's more of a depression type state, but I bring that on myself it be for, you know, you know, it's not very anxious. So it's interesting that we're talking about anxiety. My, my personal stories about anxiety is dealing with other people who have anxiety, right? Cause I mean, and I was, 
initially very like, you know, I was that person. I was that person. It's like, you're overreacting. You need to calm down. You know, what we, you know, this isn't really a thing, right? I didn't know at first how to deal with anybody that had anxiety. I just always thought it, it's no big deal. You're, you're, you're being ridiculous. And that is not the way to act with somebody that has anxiety, <laughs> especially when it's somebody you love. You want to be understanding. You want to know why this certain thing is causing them to be the way they feel or how they, uh, you know, kind of a thing. And so my experiences with anxiety is I had to really process and learn about why is this such a thing for this person that I care about? Why is this being this way to them? And and learning that and getting through that hasn't always been an easy journey for me because, I, you know, I'm a very analytical guy. I have to have a reason for everything. I have to, you, you know, kind of a thing. So when I can't figure out or deduct a reason for why it is the way it is, that bothers me. I, 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 it, it makes things difficult for me. So yeah, dealing with people, especially with you and Emily that both have these moments and I'm like, but why are you having this moment? I don't understand. It's like, this is just a normal thing. What are we doing right now? It's very difficult for me. So I had to really learn to start to step back and go, okay, I'm not uncomfortable here. But for whatever reason, such and such is, let me let me be aware of that because I think sometimes I was not aware. Like I wasn't even, a, you know, it wasn't even coming to me that they were uncomfortable or anxious about the situation. I wasn't paying any attention to it. I wasn't like, hey, they seem off to or, you know, kind of a thing. So, yeah, it, it, it's for me the anxiety is more learning to deal with people who have anxiety. So, uh, which has been an interesting struggle. <laughs> yeah, I would say, honestly, I feel like you didn't even start assessing the situation until pandemic. You know, I feel yeah. like that's really what opened up the doors for everyone in society. For sure. So, I mean, we always look at the positive things. The positive of the pandemic is, you know, the more open conversation about mental health and anxiety. And because I remember pre-pandemic, you know, there were those conversations where either myself or Emily or whoever, you know, was going through this and the biggest thing, the biggest red flag during somebody's anxiety bout is telling them to calm down because they like, they have to process it themselves. Yeah. And you, when you do that, even if you're coming from a good place, you know, it feels attacking because they're already in a drastic headspace. Right. And you feel like, you know, this person who's supposed to be close to me is attacking, but and it's not like that. Um, but it's so radically different from, you know, two different perspectives of the same room. Um, so it's always very interesting to see how different people deal with their different levels of anxiety. Because my siblings, who I've talked about before, also suffer from anxiety. And to the point where one of my siblings literally had to follow through with a GED program, kind of like how we talked about with uh, Reed Miller on ITCAP podcast, where they literally had to withdraw from school and go through with this program because being around that many people in a public setting in high school was just too overwhelming to where they literally felt like they could not process things on a day-to-day -day basis, which obviously affected their grades and affected their performance. Um, so to have that be like a trickle-down thing to where like, because I've talked about it 
openly to where like everybody in my family basically suffers from anxiety or depression or both. Um, so the anxiety one is a really big one to be able to overcome and to be able to, um, process, I guess, for yourself and for others, because honestly, for me anyway, the best way to be able to show me that you're supporting me while I'm going through a panic attack or like on the verge of one is to like, be like, okay, what's go What's going on? What are you thinking about? You know, what? what caused you to feel like this you know it's never just the quick reaction and i also rack it up to you know us being men we want to be problem solvers we want to be those people who fix things and help um so to be able to not do that is also a little bit frustrating so i mean because i would do the same thing you know when one of my siblings pre-pandemic was going through something i would it would cause me to be anxious and then be like okay you need to calm down and then we would blow up about our own internal blow-ups yeah so it's one yeah. of those things to be able to balance and to try to just have a soothing conversation because honestly a soothing conversation goes so much further than people even realize and i think that is what's most important specifically for me and for people who i've come in contact with and love um who have anxiety the soothing conversation gets you so much further than just the you know i don't understand this calm down and you and know? you know it 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 all comes down to communicating properly, dialogue. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between telling buddy telling somebody to calm down or if you say, "Hey, relax, take a deep breath. What's going on?" Kind of, that's yeah. that's the same you're you're basically saying the same message, but yeah. it's the way you say it. When you Tone tell somebody to calm Tone down, is everything. Yeah, telling somebody to calm down like because how many people say, "Hey, calm down." You know, they're like, calm down. But when you mm -hmm. say, hey, take a, take a breath. What's okay? Mm -hmm. What's happening? What's going on? That's, you're, you're like literally saying the same thing, but it's the manner in which you're saying it that I think is so critically important, right? Where communication is critically important in how you deal with people who are going through a tough situation. And not just with anxiety, but with any mental you know, anything that's causing them mental grief or mental anguish, it's all about how you communicate with somebody that is going through something that you may not understand. And, and it's how you approach it. And I think that that's so critically important to help be there for somebody, like you said, you know, instead of having that wall go up where they get defensive and they get angry, they're allowing you to help which is what you're trying to do in the first place. So, you know, you, you just have to be very cautious in the way that you approach somebody that's going through something that you don't understand and take the time to listen. That's the other thing, right? I think a lot of people get upset and they don't listen. They're just, you know, they're, they're, they're angry and they're saying, calm down, and they don't want to listen to what's going on. And, and, and I think that's also huge because when you take the time to listen, that's when you learn. That's when you understand what's going on, and that's when you can start to move forward in helping somebody that's going through those anxious moments. And you're right. I feel like a lot of times people who are suffering from anxiety and are having a panic attack or having a moment, 
the anger elevates and then everybody starts getting into the situation and everybody's feeling bad and nobody's moving any forward or progress. And, and that's dangerous because that leads to other things, right? And then, especially if you're suffering from both, right? I feel like if you're suffering from anxiety and depression, right? If you can't diffuse the situation, if you can't help the person you're trying to help, then it does start to lead to what did I do wrong? How, why did I fail them? Why did I, why wasn't I able to help them? Why did I not know that they, this would cause them issues? And you start diving into a deep depression about where you failed somebody you loved. And so without even realizing, you, you know, you're now you're dealing with two different issues with, with one attack and, and it's, it gets, it gets complicated, right? I mean, that, that's the biggest thing as a parent, I feel like anytime I couldn't help Emily get through something, you feel like you're failing as a parent. You're feeling like, why, why, why can't I help my daughter? Why can't I process what's going on and, and figure out a way to fix it, right? Because as a parent, that's what you always want to do for a child. You want to fix it. You want to make sure it's okay. And when you can't do that, when you just have to get through it like they're getting through it it's a difficult thing and and it can be really hard to just you know overcome the fact that you can't fix everything as a parent and that may that in itself makes me a little anxious knowing that i can't always fix it and and but also understanding that that's okay because that's part of life that's part of people who are dealing with anxiety or depression or any a handful of other things they do have to learn to process and get through it and be able to uh, to deal with it because no matter how much somebody wants to help them they can't help them or assist them or be there for them if they're not willing to help themselves and start to figure out how to heal themselves so that you ha- it's all a collaborative process of getting through listening breathing taking the time to understand and then Understanding that way, while you might not be able to fix it, you can be there for them when they need you to be there, and 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 I think that's so important. You know, we talk about it all the time in all of our conversations about that support system. But there's a difference between being supportive and trying to be controlling of a situation and fix the situation. It's a whole different ball game. So I think that people have to go into it knowing that you are supporting, you are there for, but you can't necessarily do it for them. They have to be able to do it for themselves. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, I feel like one of the biggest things in mental health that not a lot of people, they practice it, but not a lot of people talk about it, I guess, is the patience. You need to be able to be patient yeah. with the person who is going through it because it is their timetable. It's no one else's. Yep. Um, and when people try to implement their own timetables on someone else's situation, that's when situations get even worse. Um, I mean, just from personal experience, I can't tell you how many arguments that could have been avoided, not just with Emily, but with anybody, um, if I wasn't anxious in the moment, um, if I wasn't, you know, built up, uh, because, you know, sometimes kind of like how I did the, um, the battery level for my socialness, my social anxiety. Um, I also feel like it's a battery level 
from my stomach up because like I can feel the anxiety raising up because I feel like a good amount of people who have anxiety, they feel it in their chest. They feel the ball in their chest to where they feel like they can't breathe and they, they take the little spurts yeah. of breaths and that doesn't always help. Um, so when you can feel it coming all the way up to your chest and then when it gets here and it gets really tight, that's when you just explode and you're not yourself. Um, so to be able to recognize where your anxiety's at and to be able to take a step back is something that I have been working on a lot recently to be able to, you know, just have better relationships in general because when you are in an argument and you're anxious, and I mean, this happens just when you're in an argument anyway, but you you say things that you don't mean. And if you are able to prevent these type of things, yeah. that is so important. To be able to prevent any sort of anxiety is so important. Like, if you know that situation is going to make you uncomfortable, even if you feel obligated, like I was talking about earlier, if you feel obligated, like you need to go, Find a spot in the room that makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to be the mingler. You don't have to be in a certain position. Find a spot in the room that makes you comfortable. Go see who you were trying to see and then leave as quick as possible. You know, it, there's no time frame on all of these things. Like it's kind of like the, the, uh, the society calendar, the society guideline of, you know, expectations at certain ages and things like that but i feel like if you're in a room you're expected to do these many things i gotta stay at least an hour i gotta say hi i gotta say bye i gotta do all these things but like if you're going through something the person who you came to support will understand yeah like even if that means you staying home like worst case scenario you stay home and get yourself right um so the the preventative things you get and can do before working yourself up into a panic attack is the things we need to practice way before we even get there. And I think that's one of the most important things, well, you know, you, to be you, able to do that. You brought up a good point. And I think that the, so the, there are ways to, because you said, you, right, you have to be aware of what triggers it, what causes mm -hmm. it, right? And I know you and I both do this. And I think it, it, it's a fantastic idea to help. Um, is journaling. Write down your daily experiences. Write down what's going on in your life. That way you go, you can, you can record. If you had an attack that day, if something triggered you that day, you go back and you go, what was that? What was happening in my life at that moment? Who was I with at that moment? What was going on that, that triggered that? And I think to, to, to carefully keep a journal of things that are happening to you, to you both positive and negative is a great way to figure out okay i remember the last time i was in this situation this happened to me and maybe i need to be aware going into it this time to do this or to do this or to not do this so that you can and i think that's that's huge also things that we do we hike, we, we walk, we, we, we get out because that's when you can clear your mind and that's when you're really it's just you and you're like let me think about everything. What do I have coming up today? Do I have something coming up that's going to trigger me? Do I Am I meeting with somebody that the last time I met with didn't go so well? Or am I meeting with somebody that was great the last time? I? It's these type things, that alone time, like you said, where you could just focus. Whether your alone time means you're journaling, whether your alone time means you're meditating, whether your alone time means you're out hiking, 
where you can take that time and focus on yourself and go, what, what is good and what do I need to work on? What, where are areas that I can do better at with myself? Because that's how you're going to cope with the anxiety. That's how you're going to limit the panic attacks. That's how you're going to you know, get a better grasp on what's happening to you is when you can take the time to work on yourself and figure out what triggers it. Where do I feel I'm not good enough? Where do I feel I'm great at? What situations should I not put myself in? What's, you know, those type things. And I think the more that people do that, because you're right, it's not being selfish to say, hey, I'm not going to show up today. I appreciate the invite, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this for me. I gotta stay here. I'm not, I'm not, you know, really good right now. That's not selfish. That's not a bad thing. That's a thing going, I don't want to come here and ruin your day because I'm likely going to have an attack or I'm not going to be in a, a really good mood. And I would rather just stay home and focus on what's going on with me and try to fix that and have that be good. You're good. I'm good and everything, you know, as opposed to doing something that you feel obligated to do that you don't want to do and causing a situation that doesn't need to be there. Um, and so, yeah, coming at it, like you said, it's just self-care is huge and you, you can't feel guilty about being careful for yourself. I mean, because I feel like that's a thing, right? People feel bad. Oh, I didn't show. Mm -hmm. I said I was going to go and then I didn't go. I feel bad. It's like you can't, you've got to get over the feeling bad if you take time to focus on yourself. It's not a bad thing. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not hurting anybody. And it's, it's just the opposite. And so anybody out there listening who deals with that guilt of letting somebody down or not doing something because you didn't go or you didn't do what you said you were going to do, don't. It's okay. It's fine to be right here because that's so critically important. Yeah, completely agree. And I feel like, you know, expectations are also a big thing that triggers anxiety because you have certain expectations of certain people for interactions, or at yeah. least I do. And, you know, when you feel like those needs or those expectations are not met, then you, I get anxious where I'm to the point where like, okay, did I not do something right? Like what, what's going on? But in reality, like, I don't know what's going on in their lives. So, I mean, of course the situation may be different. Right. Um, but even to the point where, you know, I, I love playing sports. I loved swimming. I loved soccer. I loved football. I loved basketball, but literally almost every single time, probably 80% of the time I would throw up before games or before swim meets every single time, just because it's my anxiety of, everyone there watching me performing doing something that of course like i said i'm a self-sabotager at least a recovering self-sabotager and in the point where like everybody's watching me i'm not doing good enough and all of these different things so then it works myself up to the point of getting sick before the actual event to where sometimes i actually did pull out of swim meets i don't know why but swimming was the worst one for me um i don't know like i just felt like you know it was just so much easier to single people out in swimming because you're watching your particular person um, as far as the race. And I just I don't know. It was just something that was so hardcore that it was rough and it didn't help that I had to wear a freaking Speedo. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't help my anxiety at all. No, nope. um, when I, I <laughs> yeah, you know, just... I, I mean, swimming was definitely the worst one. And I mean, like I said, I would 
if it was a home swim meet, if it's away, I mean, I'm getting sick literally almost every single time. And I'd be surprised if I didn't. Well, I think the, I think the reason for the swimming and yeah, I agree. I can't, I look back and I am like, every time I'm like, I can't believe I even wore that. What, and walked out into public wearing that. That's terrifying. Like what, what are you kidding me right now? But boy, back then you just, it was all the, they didn't. And for anybody out there, they didn't have them full body speedos that were like skin on you. No, it was just this tiny little barely covered just speedo. That made you anxious right there. But I think what you were talking about, though, is because it's even in a team relay, it's individual. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you were the slow one on, on your trek, yeah, you could be, you're could you the blame. Yeah. It's your fault. It's like so it's a very individualized where the other ones, football, soccer, whatever, there's team. Right, the mm-hmm. team didn't get the job done, kind of a thing. But in swimming, that's a very individual. You didn't get the job done, yeah. kind of a thing. And I think that's why maybe that anxiety hit more so with swimming than the other sports. It's because, like you said, it's a very isolated. Everybody can target who did or didn't do something. Whereas exactly. if a team plays bad, the team plays bad. Right? There's not like, and most of the time, a team can overcome if one guy's having a bad day. But in yeah. swimming, one guy having a bad day on a team relay can ruin everything. So it's like, oh, what, what happened there? So I teased it a little bit. but So my only anxious point right now, my only thing that causes me anxiety, crippling anxiety, where I just cannot get past it, is I, I don't even know if I want to put this out there, but it's just it is what it is. I'm a very confident person. I have never had an issue ever of not walking into a room or walking into a situation and owning it. I have always known I've got this. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get what I want. Everything is going to be fine. It's going to be amazing. Never mattered what it was. But now, and for anybody who's been following us for a long time, any kind of a thing knows, I'm, I'm single. I've been single for quite a while. And my anxiety now is I can't bring myself to, and I know where it stems from. It's trying to work through it. It's two very bad failed relationships. Hurtful. I was hurt by them very badly, very badly. And I'm rooted in fear of failed relationship that is going to hurt me. And so I am terrified to the point where I have full on panic attacks, completely anxious when I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, okay, I see somebody I like, I'm going to, I'm like, and before, prior to those two relationships, I just go, I just got, oh dude, she's way out of your league. Fuck yeah, she ain't out of my, boom, right? Never had an issue. But now... I'm, I have, I can't do it. I'm literally like, no, I'm going to do it. And then I can't. And I really do. I get into, I break out in a sweat. I get, I get, I get nervous. I bumble my words. I can't think about what I want to say. And I'm like, it's ridiculous. But it's the only thing now in my adult life over the past several years that causes me great anxiety and causes me great anguishes and I can't get past it. And so that's where I'm at in life, guys. I'm, I'm trying to 
work through it and you know because you're 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 like right there you're like bro just go just do it just do that you know kind of a thing it's kind of like the reverse of like what you were saying it's like i hate when somebody says just do it just do it it's like i can't you know like i want to trust me i want to as bad as you fucking want me to but i can't and so yeah, man, that that's like if we're gonna just put it out there for the what anxiety show that what's what makes me anxious, it's that, and it it's terrifying because when you're a 53 year old guy and you've been single for a while and you're getting up there in age and you want to have that life and you want to be happy and you want to kind of do these things and yet you're like a terrified four year old to even ask somebody anything, it's like. I don't know, bro. <laughs> it's like, and how to deal with it. I do the journaling. I do the hiking. I do the meditation. I do everything to clear my mind and get out of my space. But yet I cannot get past that. And so, um, I don't know. Maybe the listeners out there will have some advice. Maybe they will be like, how do you get over the anxiety of trying to move past a hurtful relationship? Cause I don't know. I don't, I, at this point I cannot figure out how to, separate the two right like because i mean that's that's the key right what makes me anxious is this might be this and you can't have that you got to let that go and not worry about whether this will be that and i don't know bro i cannot get past that so do you have anything that like specifically right now i know you said when we go into the parties with the big people and, and all that kind of stuff you get a little bit but is there one thing particularly like that for me that just triggers you automatically and you just cannot get past it you cannot figure out how to get past it you like your battery like i'm talking about a situation with your anxiety that you go in and the battery's already drained it's already at zero doesn't start good and end what do you have right now in your life that potentially you walk in and you're already zero and you you're just not getting past it um, honestly, I, I don't necessarily have anything like that right now. Uh, I think, you know, the biggest thing for me is events. Um, you know, at the time of this recording, we're around Mardi Gras season and around the wedding. Um, I was terrified to go to the ball for Mardi Gras because there was supposed to be like 2000 people in one room. Um, so that was very <laughs> awful. Um, yeah. But then when I got there, of course, you know, having my drinks, having my things, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm a social butterfly. I turned it into the situation where it is like, you know, when we're going out to our meetings or going out to our social events for crazy. I turned it into that. Yeah. Um, so that's how I flipped it inside my brain. Um, <laughs> I was really scared. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so that's a, that's a good strategy. But how are you going to do that? as you said, with the upcoming nuptials. Because I have a feeling I, too, am going to be very anxious. The walking down the aisle, giving away my child, even though I know exactly who I'm giving my child away to, even though you've practically been a part of the family already for five, six, seven years, whatever the case may be, I still think I'm going to be a puddled tear of mess and anxious and terrified to do it. And so I don't know how I'm going to process it. So your strategy of... Turning it into like what we do with Crazy Ant, that ain't gonna work with the wedding. So are you are you anxious about the wedding? Are you anxious about the the this is real? I'm gonna say I do, and this is this is committing for life, and this is committing for like you can't not be anxious about that, right? I'm more scared about the day being in front of everybody than the actual commitment because I believe 
I don't think I'm mistaken in this statement, but we have been together longer than any of our examples were together before they got married. Right. Um, uh, as far as her parents, my parents, you know, anybody else who is in our lives. So, I mean, we've been together for over five years and have known each other for like over seven or eight. Um, so we, that we've got to know each other before any sort of big events like this have happened. That's true. Um, That's a good point. And like, we have been able to like, patience we have been able to take that time to actually get to know each other to get the the big unnecessary fights out of the way so that when another child or another a child comes into (laughs) the fold where we don't have to have these conversations because like you know we've already got past that and which like i said earlier when it comes to arguments and anxiety that's really all a lot of it was we were just both anxious and two anxious people going at it um so i am not scared about the commitment i'm not anxious about the commitment i'm anxious about standing up there with everyone looking at me like this (laughs) that's what i'm scared about and i'm just like you've got stage fright that's what i yeah yeah. which is weird because like i've i'm a thespian i've like been on stage i've performed on stage like i don't it's weird so what do you call stage fright in real life Right, because that's yeah. what it is. You're scared yeah. of the real stage, yeah. And not, not, not the stage where you're acting. You're scared to step out on the real stage in a crowded room, in a group of people that are looking at you with expectations. In a so that's interesting, right? Do you, I, and I wonder. And I mean, well, now you know, let's I'm just a, go. I'm a recovering perfectionist. It's still in there. So I just want it to be perfect. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, and so like, but it's interesting though. Like, I feel like let's just go full on and lay down on the couch and let's start analyzing. It's like, do you think it's not there when you're performing because it's not you? So you're not associating the fact that they're looking at you, that they're that they're judging you. They're looking at the character you're playing. They're looking at the, the at, at what that's going through. But when it's real life, that's you. They're not looking yeah. at a character. They're not look focused on the story. They're focused on the real you. And like so. Yeah. Do you think that that's maybe where the difference is? It's like you can get up there and not not be scared at all in front of a whole auditorium of people, but when it's real life, that's a whole different ball game. It's got to stem well, from something. It, yeah, it's interesting because like J Lo Fantastic on the other podcasts is different than J Logan Austin, who's the company man, is different from Logan Austin, who is just me yeah that's who i try to present myself on this podcast yeah so i i have three different personalities <laughs> in front personalities so i mean yeah i don't know it that's how i separate it though that's how i'm able to get through it is to feel like not that i'm playing a character but this that i'm playing a different version of myself that other people allow me to play um so it's it's very interesting but yeah that's that's kind of how i get through it it's one of those things where i'm just like you know the real me is like i'm i'm a neat freak Uh, i love film and television i um we can go out if i'm in the mood if i'm not i'm fine with staying at home like yeah but you know i'm one of those things where i'm i'm just not the real me is not that big of a social person you know like maybe i'd go out once 
every other week one night like that's probably in a perfect world if i didn't wasn't doing anything else if i wasn't you know i would be very reclusive i would much rather have people come over to my house and hang out um rather than go out see and um I think that's that's the the misconception of people who are in our industry. They think mm-hmm. that because I'm the, I love being in a room with a ton of people networking, talking, being the the where all the eyes are on me and everything. And I think that people think that that's who I am. That that's mm-hmm. my like ah, you know yeah. But I also am that guy that just I'm fine if I'm sitting on my couch alone watching TV and nobody talks to me for three weeks. I'm fine with that. I'm like, I'm good if I'm in a cabin somewhere. In fact, I go off grid and take time to just not be with anybody. And, and, and so it's funny because you said you have the three different, like all my person, I have the business persona. I have the, the, the personality and I have the real me, but they're all the same. They're like that. I'm all that guy. So it's like, it's all, I talk as much as I do when I'm in my business persona as I do when I'm in my personality persona and in my real life. And, and, and so it's very weird. I have three particular people that I am, but somehow I'm able to, they're all together. They're like, they're not separated. It's a, so it's very weird. I, I know it, that sounds crazy, right? People are already trying to digest like what the hell that even means. But it, it's like, I don't know. I guess it's 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 where where that shows our, our difference in age. Like, I guess it just comes with many years of experience about trying to figure out how to merge these three people into one person that can be the CEO that can be the mouth and that can just be the, the guy, the friend, the, the dad, the whatever. How do you take that one guy and make them all the same? And I guess that just comes with years, you know, it's either, it's either age or just individuality. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, no one person is the same. So like, yeah, it's one of those things where like I could possibly grow into that or I could stay the same person because what I'm doing now is also successful. So I mean, well, exa- you know, it's exactly. one of those things. Like, I, yeah, so it's it's a very interesting thing we call life, right? And um, something new that I want to start with this podcast in particular is, you know, I want to have the listeners, if they are willing, feel free to email us at info at crazy media and talk to us about what makes you anxious. And maybe we could have a little segment towards the end of the episodes about, you know, different emails that we get to where we can share that and be able to, you know, completely open up. And what strategies do you use to make yourself less anxious or to make yourself less depressed? Um, You know, because the, the passing the torch, the lending the helping hand is what crazy ant media is all about in all different aspects. For sure. Um, So yeah, I, I would like that. And if just throw this out there, if you want to share, but you don't feel comfortable being public Create a fake email. Send us an anonymous. Just just tell us your story. Let us know you want it to be anonymous. Yeah, Yeah, you you know, we're not going to put your name out there. We're not going to, if you don't even want us to know who you are, we don't need your name. We just want to hear your story and help 
share your story and help people help you and help us. That's what it's all about. So if you want to put your name out there, you want to tell everybody who you are, this is what I'm dealing with. This is how I overcame it. This is what I need help with. Great. If you want to share, if you want to have some help, but you don't want anybody to know, you don't want to put anonymous. That's fine too. too. Just but we, but come at us, like you know, because I feel like talking, having conversations, putting it out there is how we heal, is how we move on, is how we get over things, is how we grow. And so, whether you're doing that anonymously, I mean, look, we're, our whole lives. This is the, just the past year when we launched this podcast. This is the first time we went public with a lot of what we were dealing with and everything. It, it, some again, it goes back to what we've been talking about this whole episode with anxiety, patience. It's yep. okay if you're not willing to be public about it just yet. That's okay. If you want to feel like you want to get it out, but you don't want to be public, that's okay. And if you're running gun and want to put your name out there and you want to be a guest on the podcast, that's fine too. Like wherever you're at in your journey, that's where you're at. And we're okay with that. So we're not going to pressure you. We're not going to force you to try. Hey, that's such a, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're going through that. Or wow, that was amazing how you got past that. You have to come on. You have to let us tell people. No, you're never going to get that from us. We, we don't do that in any aspect of our life, in our company, in our podcasts, in our own personal lives. You will never get pressure from us. You will. Ne- you just be you. And we're going to be us and we're going to provide a safe space and a comfortable space for you to be you. And that's how we're going to have these conversations and get along and help people and know that you're safe because that's critically important for us. So I love the idea, though. I love it. Come at us with the emails. Come at us with the DMs, however you want to reach out and just kind of like, you know, let's hear some stories. That's a great idea. Exactly, exactly. At everything's OKP on X Threads Instagram. So you can DM DM us there. Or like I said, you can email us at info at crazyantmedia.com. Um, but I don't think there's any other perfect way to end this episode. I think it was a very constructive conversation. You know, we have a lot of big events coming up in both of our lives. We do. <laughs> to be able to uh, talk about it and talk about the anxieties of it. And, you know, past, you know, traumas of evolving from who we were and who we are now i feel like is very interesting so i'm very thankful you know we're still able to have all these conversations and still be able to you know repeat conversations that we've had in previous episodes because like we said before the topics they're just a loose topics that can go anywhere they want yeah um because this this whole podcast right here is just all about conversation about mental health that's right and 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 look i mean that that's the beauty of it, right? We we've talked about this on damn near every episode that we've done of this show. It all is connected. Anxiety will lead to depression. Depression will lead to anger. Depression will lead to grief. Whatever the case may be, it's all connected because it's all here. So we might start with a conversation and it might go here and then it'll go here. And that's all okay. I love that. That's what I love about this podcast is you realize that anything that anybody is going through is all connected. It's, it's just, like you said, it's life. It's, it's exactly. the human experience. So if you're anxious and depressed and mad and sad and happy, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 and we're going to talk about it. That's the beauty of this show. And you know what else? I mean, that, that's like, I just, I love that. I love that that's how life is because that's real life. And that's this show. This show is real life. 
That's right. And this show is Everything's Okay. <laughs> <laughs>